The following episode of the Cantori Show is brought to you, you, by Baja Bound. Baja Bound Mexican Auto Insurance, the easiest way to buy Mexican auto insurance. Been around for over 25 years. You can get a policy in minutes from their easy-to-use website, and you can insure all your belongings, not just the automobile. You can even get that uh, $2,500 electric bike insured, Chris Cote. It's uh, BajaBound.com. They're the best. It's so great. Great to be back with you here. I've missed you as always. I've got a great show for you today. I do want to thank Jake Nager and the Moment of Truth for supplying our background music, all our theme music. Jake Nager, not only a friend, a prolific musician. And uh, it was about, let's see, late 90s, so 90s, uh, over 20 years ago, almost 25 years ago. I remember having a profound anxiety attack uh, before interviewing the band Stone Temple Pilots over at uh, 91X. I was new to the gig. It was my first big interview. The band was coming through to uh, promote their new record at the time, Four. And uh, I was shitting bricks, as they say. I was so nervous. I didn't want to blow it. You know, I had the whole station there, and they were going to do the interview with me and the performance. And. I was uh, in over my head just uh, to be straight, and I knew it, and I was never one of those uh, fake it till you make it types, so knowing that I was in over my head got in my head, and uh, about a half hour before the band showed up, I found myself in the 91X bathroom, essentially hyperventilating in a stall. Remember that scene in Trading Places when uh, Eddie Murphy is standing, he's uh, on top of the toilet smoking a joint? That was me without the joint just uh, losing my mind. And uh, I I even at the time, I think I called my mom to help talk me off the ledge because here I am at work having having an anxiety attack and in other environments like, you know, social situations, I can just start slamming beers, but you can't do that 9 a.m. Well, some people do, but I couldn't do that 9 a.m. in the morning, you know, hosting a show. So I had to power through the attack and uh, or what was going on this episode, not really knowing what was really happening. You know, I say now I talk about it like I'm fully aware, you know, what was happening. But in the middle of it back then, I, I still wasn't sure if that makes sense. But I got through it, got through the interview performance. It was fine. You know, nothing great. But uh, I don't even remember any song. I remember they played Sour Girl. That's about it. Other than that, I don't remember the interview, the performance. All I remember is having this anxiety attack before uh, they showed up. And thinking at the time, I wish I had the tools or maybe the medicine to uh, help me get through situations like this. But I didn't. It was a different time. And thankfully, you know, today we're really working on breaking the stigma surrounding mental health, which is why... When I got this email from our, our guest today, Brett Newski, I was like, all in. Because Brett has a new book that is completely devoted to breaking the stigma of mental illness entitled, 
It's hard to be a person defeating anxiety, surviving the world, and having more fun. And for those who deal with anxiety or other mental illness issues, that uh, that's certainly the truth. And this book has been endorsed by uh, the Lumineers. They say, I love how easy it is for Brett to plow through the dark stuff with some well-placed humor and grit. I love the fact it's an illustrated book. I don't know if I mentioned that. Before we get to Brett here, and keep in mind, uh, he's he's an accomplished singer-songwriter. He's toured with uh, the Pixies, Violent Femmes, Courtney Barnett, some serious heavy hitters. And the fact that he's using his network to help break down the stigma of mental illness, I think it's just the best. And I, I commend him. Thanks, man. It, yeah, it's hard to be a person. It is hard to be a person, especially when you have anxiety, isn't it? Yeah, I I think I mean I got to believe everyone has anxiety. Maybe not. I think it's I think it's got to be a part of being a person. It's like in our DNA for like the whole fight or flight thing, you know? Cuz if we didn't sure. have that, we would uh we would just probably get eaten by bears cuz we wouldn't have any anxiety about a bear coming to snarf us for lunch. So, I don't know. I think there's something to that. Yeah. No, I do agree with you. I do think that everybody to some extent deals with it, but some have to deal with uh, more profound anxiety right, yeah. than others. And uh, I would imagine you you fit into that category based on uh, your book. I would say so. I mean, I'm a, yeah, I'm a pretty like highly sensitive person. So I, I don't know. You, you know how it is. You probably just feel all the vibrations a lot. And, you know, that has its pros and cons. You know how it, it probably helps you a lot creatively with the podcast and creating and writing and, and coming up with... Um, you know, talking points or essays and that kind of stuff or songwriting or whatever. But yeah, on the other side, you know, you do feel more profound lows, which, you know, they can really kick your ass. But um, all the all the lows, you know, I think they're there for a reason. And, you know, some people would call it like trauma or just, you know, anxiety or depression. But um, those lows give you a barometer for uh, what your happy days appreciating your happy days and then and even appreciating like the equilibrium so yeah i think there's something to that and, and when did you first notice like do you have profound memories of just noticing that anxiety was in your dna and something that you were dealing with does it date back to childhood big time yeah i think like yeah just having really circular thinking or like laying in bed in fifth grade and then like running downstairs to check my backpack to make sure I put like a homework assignment in there. Like I was just like, yeah, a little splash of paranoia and just like terrified to talk to girls or, or terrified like the teacher hated me or like, you know, what, whatever it was. So there was always that, um, but I just never knew what it was or anything. And uh, I think you kind of you, you figure it out more in adult life and you realize yeah. there's like names for these things and that, and that's good. It's good to get diagnosed because then you can start kind of chipping away at it and working yeah. on it and just realizing it's like pretty normal. So it's, uh, it's nothing to feel guilty or, or, or weird about, but it does suck. You know, I, I sympathize with, with anyone who gets those rushes of like existential dread or worries, you know, that, uh, I get them pretty, pretty much daily. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, we should be bowling partners. Do you, uh, if, you <laughs> if you live locally, we could bowl or surf together because uh, I, I know that dread you speak of. And did it have I'm curious when you were when, when you were a kid, 
Did it also show itself and rear itself physically, like in physical ways, like stomach issues, headaches, stuff like that, that you couldn't explain? Yeah, yeah. The brain really can trigger some physical ailments. And that has been, uh, oh, that's been a constant theme in my life, you know, just like, yeah, really fixating on a, um, you know, fixating on, oh, there's something wrong with my right ear. And then you, and then you can't hear as well, or there's something wrong with my voice and it becomes scratchy and tougher to talk and your, your muscles all tighten up. So yeah, the brain is a, is a powerful thing and I'm a hypochondriac. So I'm always like, um, obsessing about stuff like, Oh my God, I have a rash on my ass. No girl will ever, ever see me naked again. I'm it's over. My life is over. <laughs> yep. And, uh, so yeah, but but it's it's tr tricky to to pull yourself out of those when you're in those toilet bowls because they are uh, they do cloud your your judgment and your thinking. So a thousand percent. I mean, yeah. just just two days ago, I, I had a sore throat, and if we were talking, I would have told you that I got the Delta variant of yeah. COVID. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, COVID was a son of a bitch, wasn't it? Initially, especially initially. Yeah, the covidious. I mean, I think yeah, for hypochondriacs, that could Ooh. really, it could really trigger you into a spiral. Uh, yeah, man, I, I, I feel you. I, I totally relate to that. But uh, yeah, I, I have trouble reminding myself like when I'm in the, when I'm in the uh, toilet bowl is like reminding myself like I'm not thinking clearly or not thinking yeah. rationally because like at, at the uh, deep down everything is fine. You know, everything's yep. going great. Uh, exactly. Yet uh, I. Feel glimpses of the end of the world for nine to nine seconds at a time, or an hour sure. or two at a time, and yeah, you know how it goes. And uh, do you have tools or techniques that you practice to help pull you out of those moments when you're in that storm? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, um, as far as just like real quick things, I think like the s stretching is big because stretching kind of sucks, you know, it hurts and you get that, you get that ache, but it, that means it's working, you know, and, uh, especially like neck stretches. I like sitting on the floor, stretching my legs out and uh, a little pain for pleasure. Cause I always, my brain always feels more relaxed after that. Um, and like meditation is not something I feel qualified to talk about cause I suck at it, you know, yeah, but, um, I feel you that's an accumulative thing where even if you make an effort at it 10 minutes in the morning or set aside that that really does build. And then it kind of, you get more skilled at it and it gives you kind of a place to go when you're like feeling a little panicky or anxious. You're like, Oh, I can go sit in a chair and try to zone out for even five or 10 minutes while I'm yeah. sitting in my car before a meeting or whatever. So yeah, the, the trick is just reminding to do shit you know, while you're feeling bad, like reminding to stay on the offense rather than just like curling up and, and desperately trying to play defense on, you know, some massive LeBron James anxiety attack. Right. Yeah. I've tried the, um, I don't know if you've uh, checked it out, but there's that headspace app that uh, yep. is pretty awesome too, where I'll do like little body scans to help break yeah. me from, get me out of that moment. Ooh, the body scan. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause you can like people tell me to like breathe into the spot on my body that's causing me ailment or whatever. And that, right. that's something I always forget to do, but it is a good method, you know? And I'm curious when it comes to your professional career, did, did you often, or was there a point where you, you asked yourself, you know, of all the careers that I could pick being a songwriter where, where the pressure's on and, and a touring musician where you're literally on stage and all eyes are on you 
for for a person with anxiety that doesn't seem to be the profession of choice. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I, I guess I thought I was an extrovert through my whole twenties, like playing in rock bands and playing music, but that, I think that was just a farce because I thought that, cause I was just probably drinking beer the whole time. So yeah. I was like, Oh, I'm not anxious. Yeah. Um, I have the demon liquor in my system, but, uh, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I do have massive anticipation, anxiety around shows and, you know, some nights I'm just so on and I just feel so confident and other nights like to be like the person in a room is just such enormous pressure. And like, I can't explain how bad that feels and uncomfortable that feels like oh, man. leading up to it because I'm just like constantly worried. I'm going to let people down or like not put on a good show or not be very good at socializing after the, the gig. So I guess that's just a tax of doing the thing. And it's a real honor to be able to do it at all. So I, I, I'm totally willing to pay that tax. And, um, right. When, when I'm feeling good and feeling on and the band is hitting and I'm feeling on, I mean, there's no better feeling that it's true glory, you know? Absolutely. But I also know that, uh, that anticipation and the anxiety that goes along with that and not wanting to let other people down and carrying that into the moment, which, which in turn makes it hard to be present. And also when you speak of the twenties, I think for a lot of us that have dealt with this during our twenties, we really did use alcohol as a coping mechanism to help us get through this period and give us this false sense of, Hey, we're cool, man. We can, yeah. we can hang. <laughs> we could walk into these situations with confidence. I'm not sweating. Right. I'm not tripping in my head. I got a buzz and I'm ready to roll. Yep. But then that stops working after a while. For sure does. I mean, uh, yeah, I think any, any full-time touring musician, you, you generally either quit drinking. I feel like most, most of the lifers end up quit drinking or it's like, yeah, or it's very, very minimal. So um, yeah, but yeah, the anticipation, anxiety, how do you, how do you kind of, um, get around that? Because, you know, you know how it is, you have something on your calendar and you're like, yeah. even if it's something you're pumped about, you're like, you still obsess about it all day, you know? Yeah. I still struggle because I I've been, um, I've been putting on shows down here in San Diego leading up to it. My, you know, my wife will notice that I get really super stressed out and I'm yeah. not present and I'm really just freaked and riddled with, with that dread you speak of. That's really not 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 founded in anything. You know, the show's sold out. Right. Everyone's pumped. The artists are pumped. The crowd's pumped. Yeah. I just look like a, a ball of stress. <laughs> yeah, totally, <laughs> man. Sometimes you know you find that groove where it's all so much fun, and I I struggle to find that. It's like, man, how do how can it be? It should be fun, right? I mean, yeah, there's pressure. You know, you're you're in the same business as I am, you know, you got to sell tickets and that's a lot of pressure. But, uh, when you're doing the thing, uh, I guess what I'm saying is I just want to have more fun on tour, but, um, yeah, I've been, been struggling with that, uh, getting, getting out of my own brain, you know? Well, which takes us to the title of your book. Well, the full title, it's hard to be a person defeating anxiety, surviving the world and having more fun. I mean, I think just finishing a book in general is always something I, never thought I would actually do, but just thought would be an amazing thing to accomplish. But I, I guess I wanted to, to make a project outside of music that could be 
like more useful to people and and be have a bit more of like a utilitarian value to it where people could like open it up and like oh here's some actual practical strategies for kind of getting out of your own head or, or feeling better and it's it's mostly illustrations so you know you can go through it quick you don't have to like it's not dense reading or anything um and i've always loved to draw anyway and i love depression humor i think it's like one of my favorite <laughs> my favorite genre i don't know if you ever listened to like bo burnham or oh hell yes a, yeah what a genius like he put out that latest special and he's got a song called shit where it's just like like this dance rock song about fellas do you feel like shit tell me do you feel like shit oh yeah and it's just like it speaks to millions you know so i've always used uh humor to kind of power through the the brain battles you know so yeah. i'm pretty pumped about the book and i i think i'm extra pumped because it was so hard to make like it was like 20 times harder than any album i've ever made and interesting yeah honestly i didn't think i was gonna finish it in my my um my best friend and person and ex-wife Anna, she was the editor and really helped me kind of like put it put it over the edge and, and get it done. So yeah, man, it's fun to have a have a brick of uh pages just sitting there um in hardcover on your desk. It feels neat. Was this a was this a pandemic project? Something that really started to kind of come to fruition during the pandemic when you had the downtime? Well, yeah, I mean, the Pando definitely helped me finish it. But yeah, it's, I've been working on it for, for four years almost. So there was no excuse to not finish the book. Um, you know, if I was like, if I don't finish the book in the Pando, I'm <laughs> I'm a failed man. I got to do it. This is it, you know, so. That's on you. Yeah. It was one of the reasons why you wanted to illustrate it as well, because you wanted it to be available to maybe children as well as adults and it can speak to all people or or was there a method behind the illustration madness versus book or testimonial if you will well i think i just had so many drawings already so it was like already on its way and there was going to be more text and more writing and like explaining like uh how to work through certain situations but we kind of like i sat down with ann and we're like you know it's going to it's going to be, I think it's, it'll be more impactful if there's just less text, more drawings. And I mean, a lot of the jokes are like, I came up with like going back in time to like my middle school and high school brain. Cause there's so much like coming of age humor in there too, but there's also a ton of adult humor. Um, so I would say like, like middle school is if you're in middle school and like dodging bullies in the hallways, you'll probably get a lot of the jokes. If you're in high school, it'll hopefully connect. And yeah, I think mostly it's, it's for adults, even though the drawings look like they could be, uh, for (laughs) (laughs) five-year-olds. Okay. You said it. I didn't say it. No, I love the art. I I love everything about it. And, uh, it certainly resonates with me. And when you, when you talk about, uh, those middle school years. Can, can you share an anecdote as it relates to the book? Yeah. You know, whether or not it's, you know, represented in the book or not. I'm just curious. Cause uh, that's something I, I love coming of age, dark shit. Yeah, totally. Um, I don't know. I, you know, there were some cool moments in high school. I played basketball and that was, that there was a lot of glory there. Um, we had a really good team and the, the, the gyms were packed, but outside of that, like socially, I think, you know, being a shy kind of weird kid and maybe an environment where the arts weren't really encouraged or it's like, like, I didn't want like a lot of these kids to see me drawing because, you know, they would see that and be like, fucking pussy or, you know, whatever, like the goth kids and like, they would like punch me or, um, 
one time I was just walking down the hallway, minding my own business. And I heard, Hey, look, it's a little kid. And this giant linebacker from the football team came like running at full speed and tackled me and smashed me into the locker. And like my books exploded everywhere. There's still a dent in the second floor lockers at West high school. But, um, I mean, just crazy stuff. Like you get punched in the kidneys when you weren't looking. And yeah, that's probably why I can't drink much beer because my kidneys are shot. Your kidneys hurt from getting so many shots. Some punch. That's funny. Yeah. And like there was bomb threats a few times. And I don't know. It wasn't like the worst high school. Like there was people that probably had way scarier high schools. But I mean, one guy was like called in like a school shooter threat. And like there was you were always actually in danger of your physical physical health. Um and getting messed up and I never got punched in the nose or anything, but I got, I got choked out in the band room once and, uh, almost passed out. Thought I, I thought I blacked out. I thought, thought I was going to die. And, um, and that, that's not to mention like, I mean, the emotional, the emotional abuse can be much worse. Like when Hell you yes. sit down at the lunch table and Ooh. everyone at the table takes all the food off your plate, like, like getting teamed up on, it's like, I'm just a person like being, I'm like not being a douche to people. I'm just trying to survive uh, and like, dude, not let people I would have been your me. friend, dude. I want to go back in time yeah. and sit with you. That's so <laughs> there gnarly. There's this one time, um, there's this, this lunch table of like the, the cool kids, like foot, star football players. And there was only like eight seats on the table and it, from left to right, it worked as like a social social totem pole. So so the kids on the end, Jay and Chad, they were like the coolest kids and like the most jacked and tan and ripped and like most athletic. So they were like the kingpins. And as the table went down, um, it got to be more like the loserdom went up. So I was they let me sit on the very end of the table, which was nice of them because I didn't know where else to go. And this one time I went up to get a sandwich and this kid Sweeney came in and he took my seat and uh and i was like oh no like i gotta do something i'm standing here looking like an asshole in the middle of the lunchroom and people are looking at me and i'm like sweeney i want my seat back and he's like fuck you newski you little bitch and i took him and i tackled him off of the uh off of the cafeteria table and everyone started cheering and like he was bigger than me so i thought he was gonna pummel me into oblivion so we tackled each other in the onto the concrete floor i took the seat back i thought for sure he was going to come up and smash me in the head with a steel pipe or something but uh he just sat there and he started crying <laughs> and then i felt terrible <laughs> but then jay and the, all the guys on the table were like hey good job sticking up for yourself and then they upgraded me one slot um toward on the, the table you get towards the cool the side oh. yeah and those those guys were actually real nice to me um and that was cool of them. But uh, yeah, you know, shit like that's funny now. But at the time it was like, good Lord. I was on the opposite side of the spectrum where I was the big kid who was a target because oh, yeah. people wanted to take me down because I was so big and I had my Sweeney's. I, I had mine was Brian Garrity <laughs> and that son of a bitch tortured, tortured me my freshman Aww. year of high school so bad that I actually shit my pants in school. Oh, like man, I had to yeah. go through half a day after defecating myself just because yeah. i was so the anxiety had taken over yeah man that's real that's that's heavy duty i definitely whizzed my pants at school before so <laughs> you're not alone <laughs> but now i can look back and we can laugh and celebrate it and also uh turn it into art like you've done with your book 
And uh, also tell me about the uh, about the music. There's eight new songs that go along with the with the book. It's hard to be a person. And those were songs I recorded in my friend Liv's basement in Milwaukee um, with my musical collaborator Spatola. And they were they were all like kind of coming of age songs of like I found all these old lyrical scraps in my parents basement a couple of years ago when I was just going through old stuff of, of stuff that I'd written in high school. So I kind of use that as as fire starter for um, a, a new batch of songs. So it's got kind of a violent femmes, a little uh, power pop influence, like acoustic Ooh. thrashy rock and roll kind of short, quick songs to the point. Um, but yeah, it's like social anxiety songs about trying to <laughs> figure out your shit, you know. So uh, yeah, it kind of fits fits in with the book and. Um, yeah, and you've got some good names involved also. On the album, uh, Stephen Page from Bare Naked Ladies sang, sings on the opening track called I Should Have Listened to Ferris Bueller. And he was like my first musical hero as a kid. So that was pretty, that was a oh, big that's a deal riot. for me. That title alone dude. is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I really should have, I, sh- I should have seen Ferris Bueller sooner because like that is the code you uh, you need to live, live by, and especially in high school, you know. Hell yes. Bueller. Bueller. I'll tell you, when I was in high school, if you told me that one day pot weed would be legalized, like you could walk into a shop like March and Ash and buy weed, I would never have believed you. I would have thought you were high. And we'll continue with our talk uh, with Brett Newski here momentarily. But first, do want to make you aware of March and Ash. If you are interested in cannabis-related products, could be non-psychoactive like the CBDs or the CBNs to help you sleep. I have a lot of friends, myself included. Hi, I'm your friend who use CBNs to help sleep. And uh, then they also have the psychoactive products, the uh, the THC, that is. Everything you can imagine, marchandash.com for the in-store experience. Mission Valley, Vista, City Heights, Imperial, coming to Chula Vista and IB. But online, you can do the delivery and the curbside pickup. Someone just fired up their lawnmower. Marchandash.com. All right, let's get back to Brett Newski here as we talk about his podcast, which I'm very interested in. I got to check it out, Dirt from the Road. Tell us about it, Brett. Yeah, so the podcast, we just, uh, we, we were telling like funny, weird stuff that happened to us, like offstage, you know, between shows. And uh, I just like, I had to document some of this stuff because some of it like is so nuts. Like, I'm just thinking, you know, lighting our car on fire, like driving down a mountain in Norway on accident or like <laughs> one, one time in like when I lived in Asia, like a guy like offered to sell me a grenade for $35 and uh, <laughs> it's just like stuff that I thought was like, oh, this I guess this is normal for the territory at the time. And, uh, and then like I would tell people about this and they'd be like, you got to write that shit down. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of the start of the pod is like bizarre ass road stories because you can't make some of this stuff up when you're like in transient mode and you're traveling and you like stay at like a abandoned rubber factory after a gig in the, in Holland and uh, you know there's like a guy who escaped from the high security prison next door like walking yeah. around so it all needs to be documented for posterity's sake and. Um, it's a it's a good time. We also talk about some mental health boosts and stuff. Like Carabo is really cool and you know, kind of sharing how he likes some of his tricks for like meditating while jogging and stuff like that. And and the episode with Glenn Phillips of Toad the Wet Sprocket was really cool because he really opened up and talked, I love talked him. a lot about his anxiety. 
yeah, he's a sweet dude and he's really open about talking about his anxieties and stuff. And I thought that was really useful to people and it was, was pretty heartwarming. So yeah, it's been neat to, to riff with some of these fellas. How cool. I'll definitely dig into that dirt from the road, the podcast, and then the new book. It's hard to be a person. Thank you so much for joining us and helping uh, destigmatize all the, uh, the mental health weirdness. Oh man, this has been such a good time. Yeah. I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like I've known you a long time. It's uh, we're like best pals now. Yeah. If you're ever down in the area and want to do one of these pop-up shows, please let me know and we'll get something together and I'll, I'll carry the, uh, anticipation anxiety for the both of us. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be a low pressure show for you, Chris, but yeah, I love San Diego. Can't wait to get back there. So we'll have to swap, uh, emails or something. And yeah, absolutely. All the best. All right, my man. All right, that does it. Big thanks to uh, to Brett. I, I think I've made a new friend. In fact, after we did the interview, I, I, we, we were talking back and forth via email. And uh, the next time he is here in San Diego, we are going to sync up. And uh, maybe we'll have him perform at one of our, our sundown sessions. And if you haven't been to a sundown session, we've got another show happening with uh, reggae legend Pato Bantan. Friday, August 13th, out at the Tower Beach Club. And you can get your tickets at sundownsessionslive.com. And I do thank you for listening. Also want to let you know that if you haven't subscribed to the show, now would be a really good time to do so. Uh, We're up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts or Google Play. Because in the next month or so, let's call it August, we're going to be uh, releasing more content on a uh, more regular basis so uh yeah really looking forward to that until then be kind to yourself and others and live life with compassion and understanding and all that good stuff all right take care